just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Got a great show today. Ed is joining in us, as he so often does. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, Ed. We've got the fourth January 6th committee hearing live on television. It just happened uh, the other day. And uh, I thought it was pretty powerful. I thought, I, I, I thought all four have been pretty powerful, and it seems to be progressively better each each hearing. Well, I, I agree. And uh, particularly, a couple of them were particularly poignant. Uh, the New Mexico guy and uh, both of the, uh, um, uh, the second will come to me, uh, Lady Lady Freeman. Yeah, Ruby, uh, Ruby Freeman <laughs> and yeah. Shay, Shay Moss. Moss, yeah. They, they were, of course, particularly poignant. But um, we did see the you know, how vicious the Republicans have been toward people, uh, anybody really, who uh, um, stands in their way or casts shade on anything they say. And that includes their own, Liz Cheney and, uh, and, and others, of course. Anybody who doesn't bow at the altar of Trump uh, is going to be ousted, is going to be called a rhino and, and apparently hunted down and killed, according to this new video that's out from a yeah, particular this, uh, candidate. Yeah, the, this this Greitens fucking clown who's already had some problems with sexual and violent against his uh, romantic entanglements. Yeah, he's he's a fucking dirtbag. You know that th- what we're seeing out of the Republicans right now, from Donald Trump all the way down to the bottom of the Republican Party, is the absolute essence of bullying. You're going to do what I want you to do. If you refuse, I'm going to push you. If you refuse, I'm going to punch you. If you refuse, I'm going to beat you up and force you into submission. That's exactly what the Republicans are doing. What we heard in that hearing was absolutely appalling. From what was going on with the politicians all the way down to those poor women who were just doing their job and were picked arbitrarily as a fucking target, Ruby Freeman and uh, uh, Shea Moss. I talked a lot about this in the previous podcast, and it's absolutely horrifying to think that this can happen in this country. And there still are people that say, yeah, I'm with that. Oh, absolutely. And and, then they've never been shy about doing that. I'm not going to say it's only Republicans who come down on innocent people sometimes or uh, uh, infer things that aren't there. I think Democrats probably do, too, on occasion. But. Uh, Republicans have made it into an art form, quite frankly. Uh, this character assassination and slander, and uh, uh, which is illegal, by the way, and is actionable. And I hope they get $50 billion from Trump because he is obviously guilty. So is Rudy Giuliani, uh, uh, who was uh, calling them heroin dealers and drug dealers and so forth. And uh, Professional I wasn't scam artists. Well, I wasn't aware that there was even a position called professional boat scammer because I want that job. 
I just yeah. can't find uh, if there's like a civil service test you have to take or some kind of career path or particular institution you have to go to to get the credential. But I want that job. I want to be a professional vote scammer. And uh, I, I can't find any information on it, but it's got to be real because Trump referenced it at least two or three times, right? Absolutely. Now, you you, you suggested that there, there might be some bullying and some negative, if not criminal, behavior on the Democratic side of things. And, you know, anybody that's listened knows I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I, I see many problems with the Democratic side. But if I was to illustrate this for people, on the Democratic side, you've got some problems and you got this smoldering little fire. On the Republican side, you've got similar things, but magnified, and you've got a forest fire there. So now you've got your choice. Which one are you going to contend with first? The smoldering one has some time. We've got to focus on on the 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 uh, wildfire. And if we need to work with the Democrats to get that wildfire put out, whatever it takes. Once the wildfire is out, then we can deal with the smaller problems on on whatever side they happen upon. So um, this whataboutism that we get from the Republicans is absolutely fucking stupid. Well, yeah, and and look at what happens. Okay, Al Franken is accused uh, of, you know, uh, he basically does a joke photograph and he's forced out of the Senate. Uh, uh, Governor Cuomo taken down. Uh, and I can I can name you probably fifteen other Democrats if I just sat here and thought about it who have uh, essentially been, if you hate the word, but have been canceled by their own party because they were accused of uh, uh, sexual misconduct or some something like that. It's immediate. It's quick. There is no recourse and they're gone. It's not that way with the Republicans. They, ne- they are never gone. I don't care if it's Trump or who it may be. Uh, it is very rare that they suffer the consequences it, from Roy Moore to uh, Gates, uh, you name it, uh, to uh, people on the Supreme Court like Clarence Thomas and, and, and others, they get the pass for some reason. I'm not sure why that is, except that Democrats are more likely uh, to believe the victim than the uh, Republicans are, I suppose, even when there's no victim. I'm just going to say something. It could be popular. It may be unpopular. I don't give a fuck. But I think when we look at all the things that have happened over the last three years, I think Al Franken got fucked over and we could use him back in the Senate. Absolutely. They actually had him on last night or maybe it was this morning on some program I was watching. And uh, uh, he is uh, he is very erudite. I mean, he's funny, but he's also he has a quick wit and he has a, a very deep native intelligence. He's, he's a great guy. We could we could certainly have him in there running these hearings. And I think it would be even more effective, for example. But I would love to see him rehabilitated and a senator again, quite frankly. I think that could happen. I mean, I think at his core, he's a pretty decent guy. I mean, he was on SNL. He's been involved in other comedic things. And there's all kinds of comedy that's done that may be inappropriate. But it's comedy, and it's okay to be inappropriate in comedy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but even if that, what Al Franken did, the, 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 the punishment doesn't, doesn't, uh, compare to what he alleged to have done. I mean, we've got Matt Gates sitting in the House of Representatives just minutes away from being indicted for sex trafficking. We got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, Louis Gomer. They're all on the, ver- the verge of being 
being uh, indicted for insurrection. And they're all just still fucking sitting there. Al Franken does a stupid commercial or maybe slaps somebody in the butt. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying that he should have done it. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been punished. Maybe censure him for it, do something. But compared to what else is going on in this Republican side of things, what Al Franken did was fucking ridiculous. Right. And and once again, I don't think there was much of anything. It's just there's a tendency to pile on sometimes. But the photograph we know was just faked. I mean, it was just uh, they were joking around and everybody was laughing about it. It just so happened that the uh, the woman involved in the photograph turned out to be a right wing uh, uh, tool later right. on. Right. So, right. Uh, another one we could mention is uh, Ron Johnson, who's now been implicated in uh, in carrying uh, fake electors, the names to to Pence just uh, right before uh, Pence decided to do the right thing. And he's tried to deny it and he, uh, weasel his way out. And then you've got Jim Jordan, who stood by and watched his student athletes being raped for several years. Um, he, these guys are still in there. And uh, that's uh, it's disgusting. And and I don't have, I don't understand how they themselves can overlook it. And, and I don't see it just there. I see it in churches everywhere. I see it in anywhere. There's a right wing tinge. The pedophiles, the abusers, they get a pass. Yeah, they do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things about what you mentioned. Uh, and I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, did you know that there is a wrestling, Ohio State wrestling documentary being produced by somebody of note? I'm it's to George it. Clooney, and right. uh, it's I think it's ready to air right now. I think it's it's uh, it's going to be just days until it's it's uh, on HBO is where it's going to be. And this is going to really really expose a lot of what what happened there and who was right in the middle of it, Jim Jordan. I'm sure Jim Jordan is going to shit his pants when this documentary comes out. It's not on Fox. It's not on uh, on, on MSNBC. I think it's on HBO or wherever it is. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to see it, and a lot of people are going to know what kind of fucking dirtbag Jim Jordan actually is. This is not going to fare well for him. Uh, no, it isn't. And I'm glad that George Clooney has the time and the money to do this sort of thing now, uh, or it wouldn't be made. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. I mean, it takes somebody with deep pockets and a lot of influence uh, to get something like this made because lawyers are just scared to death of any sort of pushback, right, or any sort of uh, lawsuits about it and so forth. But uh, George, as I say, deep pockets and tremendous influence. So good on you, George. Let's talk about the hearings. Uh, we've had four of the hearings. There's another hearing tomorrow. I don't know what they're going to get into, but uh, but I have to say this, and I've said this on the podcast before. Uh, Democrats are known for very poor communications and or messaging. They've always done poorly with that. But I have to say that the four hearings I've seen and what's come out, the way it's been presented, in the order that it's been presented, and how it's been presented has absolutely been masterful by the Democratic Party. I think it paid to have some television experts in there and some prosecutors in there, too. They helped them put this all together. And it has been masterful as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I, I agree 100 percent. Everybody who's had a hand in it from uh, the chairman and vice chairman to the 
I'll call them the interlocutors, the people asking the questions, like Schiff yesterday did a great job, I think, and you could tell that he had been a prosecutor, a federal prosecutor in his case. So uh, they're using, they're going from their strength. I think the problem that Democrats have always had is uh, in messaging is that uh, there's a subtlety in the intellect. And there is no subtlety in uh, in the Republicans. Ignorance. They have exactly. There is no subtlety in ignorance. There is no. They have a message. They beat it into the ground. I mean, I on Twitter, I see Marsha Blackburn, and Jim Jordan, and all these other people. All they do all day is gas prices, gas prices, gas prices. When it's a worldwide phenomenon, surely everybody knows that by now. Some are in denial, of course, but. It's not Biden's fault. Go back a ways to when uh, Trump went to Saudi Arabia and threatened them with uh, military aid, no military aid if you don't reduce production. I think that was April of 2020, and that's when gas prices started up. That And then uh, the oil company said, oh, wow, look, we're going to make back all the money we lost during the pandemic. Let's pour it on. So they're price gouging. That's the story. That's it. Simple. Boom. But for some reason, we're not able to get that out there and just say that and just call the oil companies out. I think part of the problem is they contribute to Democrats, too. Do you think, given that we have some TV producers involved in the production of this thing, do you think uh, the intention with these hearings is to build to a climax on the eighth one, meaning you know, we get a lot of information the first one, second one a little bit more, kind of clarify this situation. Third one, again, a little more clear, a little more information. Fourth one, we're, we're seeing how Donald Trump literally was involved in pressuring political officials and uh, and citizens, pressuring them and threatening them to do his bidding. Otherwise, they could get hurt. In some cases, they did get hurt anyway. Uh, do, do, do you see this as kind of building like a movie? I absolutely do. And I hope the very last thing we see, like the last 30 minutes of the last hearing, uh, they 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 do a build up. There's a big orchestral introduction. The curtains open and there's Merrick Garland. And behind him is a screen as he launches federal agents to arrest Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani both the Trump brothers and daughter and everybody else involved in this cart them away. That would be perfect. That would be, uh, that would be an Oscar winner. That would get the Grammy and the Oscar and the Tony and the Emmy and everything. Or the, the EGOT or whatever that is. Exactly. Now, exactly. Now, now that's probably way too showy for Merrick Garland. That won't probably happen, but I think a lot of, a lot is going to come out of this. You know, we've heard the story about the, the the DOJ wanting the evidence that the January 6th committee has. And they're a little upset with the January 6th committee because they're not giving it up. And people are saying, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I, I think there's a lot of good reasons not to. I think, first of all, the question should be asked, why why is the DOJ not ahead of the January 6th committee? It isn't typical for a DOJ to follow behind a, uh, a congressional committee to get their information. Usually they're out front and the committee is getting it from the DOJ. So that's kind of questionable as to why they aren't already up to speed or beyond speed. Secondly, if the Democrats do f- provide this information, 
the DOJ say, we're going to lock this down. We're going to lock this down. You can't do it and screw up the whole fucking presentation. I think the, the Democrats want to get through their eight uh, for this month and then say, okay, here's the stuff. Show us if you're actually going to do something now. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. They want to get it out there so that DOJ or Merrick Garland or whoever can't say, well, we didn't know because you know when they're done and it's, it's documented. It's got video. It's the, the, uh, uh, all the connections are made. So it's then just a matter of, uh, uh, doing the indictments and, and prosecutions and, and locking them up. The one disappointment I had yesterday with all of the Trump, uh, the Trumpery, in, in Georgia, the phone calls and all of that. Nobody mentioned Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Lindsey, Lindsey got a pass. Now, Lindsey is just as guilty. I mean, he called the governor and said, can't you dump some of these votes? He did it. We know it. You know, so he is guilty. He needs to be a part of this. Well, Lindsey went there or Lindsey called, but Mark called. Meadows went there. Mark yes. Meadows should be on the hook too. And hopefully in, in, in future uh, hearings, we will hear about that. You know, I think I think uh, the intention of the January 6th committee in doing these hearings was kind of two-pronged. First of all, um, to inform the general public, let everybody know what's going on in, in terms they can understand. But I, I think the second uh, important strategy they have here is to almost shame the DOJ. Don't tell us you can't. Don't tell us you don't know. Don't tell us you don't have. We're going to serve it to you on a silver platter. Now show us what the fuck you're going to do. Uh, I would say that's that's probably the motivation of some of them. One thing we don't know. I mean, think about Mark Meadows for a minute. Here's a guy who started cooperating. He gave them phones uh, with messages on them. They were able to make the connection with Jenny Thomas that they didn't have before. Lots of information and connections that they didn't have came from Mark Meadows. Then suddenly he pulls back. He's not going to cooperate anymore. He's not going to honor the subpoena and so forth. Why would that be? Perhaps, and this is just supposition on my part, but maybe maybe he's wearing a wire, so to speak. They want him to look like he's resisting. So maybe somebody like Trump, somebody like Giuliani, somebody like Jenny Thomas will send him another message, give him another call. And they've got it, you know, they then would have uh, have access to everything he gets. And, and maybe they just want to see if uh, anybody will approach him now. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't thought about that. That, that is distinctly a possibility. And I could see them doing something like that. Now, when, when Matt Meadows did what he did, I, I, I was thinking more of a <laughs> Occam's razor type of thing. And that would have right. been, he's a little bitch. And Donald Trump told him, stop it, stop it now. And he had already given all this information. I mean, what you I have to understand about Mark Meadows, he gave, a, a large percentage of the most damning information that the January 6th committee has came from fucking Mark Meadows. Well, absolutely. That, that's what I'm saying. He gave up a lot. Why would he stop? Um, unless he's, unless he said, look, I've given you a lot. I want to pass. I, I don't want to go to jail. I want to, I, I, I want uh, a, a pardon or whatever. Uh, I, I just, uh, if I give you any more, maybe he's holding out that way or, uh, 
I, 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 just in the back of my mind, I've got this feeling that they think, well, if it looks like he's, you know, changed his mind, he's holding steady, that sooner or later somebody's going to reach out to him and say, well, just make sure you don't tell him about me. You know. It, well, you know, what's interesting is we've had some referrals to the DOJ regarding um, uh, regarding not testifying or not complying with the subpoena. Mark Meadows has been referred to the DOJ. And uh, he has not been indicted. Some think it's because he's too close to Donald Trump and I might have more reason for privilege. I don't know that that's true uh, because a lot has already been exposed. But maybe you're right. Maybe this referral got to the DOJ. The DOJ pulled in Mark Meadows and said, look, we can indict you. You can go to fucking jail and have your life ruined or you can start giving us some shit. And that may be what's happening with the DOJ, not the January 6th committee. They don't know what's going on at this point. They know he won't talk to them. But maybe the DOJ said, fuck it. This is a guy that's loose from the January 6th committee. Let's take him for all it's worth. And clearly he has a lot of information that's damning against Trump and the Republicans. Exactly. Look at the others who've resisted the uh, subpoena. Peter Navarro, he's indicted. They went and put leg irons on him and- uh, Bannon and uh, oh yeah, Bannon too. But with Navarro, think for a minute. He gave up everything. I mean, he did it on TV. He did it in a book. They know what he knows, and they know what he did. So they don't need any more information from him. Bannon, maybe they're working something there. I mean, he's still uh, he's still doing his podcast. He's still his uh, broadcast. He's still. Uh, Still, uh, you know, singing the line and so forth. But who knows? Maybe he's uh, working behind the scenes, too. We know a lot of the Proud Boys, one percenters or three, one, three percenters and, and all those guys have turned big time. So um, and they're turning on each other, which is even better, which is even more fun. Um, so maybe we'll get to see some gun battles between those guys. As long as I'm not in the middle of it, no innocent people. All right. I say have at it. Well, you know that there was a story out yesterday by uh, about Enrique Tario, the leader of the Proud Boys. Uh, yes. he, he was just just recently uh, indicted uh, with uh, seditious conspiracy, which is a twenty right. to twenty to thirty year term. There's no question. Right. Mm-hmm. And now, and now Tario's lawyer is out crying. And he's saying he's broke. He doesn't have a job. Well, he of course he doesn't have a job. He's in fucking jail. But he's broke. He's terrified. He's this. He's that. He's ready to tell his side of the story from the January 6th insurrection, which I find crazy. And we're seeing more of this with Republicans. I knew this would be the case. They've had all this time to step back and say, you know, this is wrong. I want to do the right thing. But they still doubled down with Donald Trump up to this point. And as far as I'm concerned, right now is too fucking late. We have gone through a lot of things. We're going to go through a lot more things because of people like them supporting and fighting for Donald Trump and the whole cause. But now he wants to tell his whole story. I have a feeling that they have the whole story already. They don't need uh, Tario's input. But now, all of a sudden, he's feeling mournful and sorrowful and ready to give his side of the story. And fortunately, like all these other fucks, it's probably too late. They don't need him. Well, right. And then like even even Eastman, who uh, goes, well, maybe I do want a pardon after all, you know, but it was too late because Trump didn't want him. um, Because when you get a pardon, you have to enumerate what you're getting the pardon for. You have to you have to uh, confess. 
Right. For the crime. So Trump certainly didn't want him confessing. So no pardon, you know, no gas, no squeegee. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what's interesting, I read a story, too, and I don't know if this is a legitimate story, but it, it could make sense knowing what we know about Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump was alleged to have been sitting in a meeting and says, so uh, you think John is going to jail? And I think without question, John is going to jail. He's going to go to jail. Yeah. And and the idea is that maybe Donald Trump is going to try to throw John Eastman under the bus and make him take the blame. And that may be his concept, but I don't think he can do that. He's too connected to John Eastman. If he can say, yeah, it was all John Eastman's fault. Yeah, but what about this information? What about these emails and these texts? He can't separate himself from John Eastman at this point. It's too late. Right. I mean, all he can do is say John Eastman did not kill himself. <laughs> right. You know, right. Too and, soon. You know, and, and, um, in, and you know, you wonder if some of that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm surprised it hasn't, quite frankly. There's a couple of people that uh, I'm hoping that they're protecting uh, on the right because uh, Bannon being one of them and uh, Terrio being one of them. As a matter of fact, all of those guys involved with the uh, uh, the January 6th insurrection, uh, the shock troops, the bad boys, uh, I uh, I would be looking the other way if I were them, especially if I were in jail. Yeah, definitely. But you know, you know what I find troubling and more concerning is you, you were talking about the fourth hearing that we just watched, and there were the two election workers. It's a story that's well known. There's Ruby Freeman, who was the mom, Shay Moss, who was the daughter, and they were election workers just doing their job. The video came out. And then, of course, Donald Trump, Giuliani, and all the Republicans made it out to be some some crime scene, which wasn't the truth. And then they gave out their names, and these people were harassed, threatened, um, even assaulted. Uh, but but the, the crazy thing about this is when it all happened, it was a terrible scenario for them. But it's still going on now. It it oh, hasn't it hasn't stopped and and these women have been traumatized. If you listen to their testimony, you can hear it in their voices. This has not stopped now. And now we hear that Adam Kinzinger is getting death threats against him, his family, his five month old child. This is who these people are. They are virtually animals. And sometimes the only only way you can deal with an animal that's out of control and that's dangerous is to fucking put them down. Oh, bad dogs. That's that's what they do. Uh, that's the big scene. One of the big scenes in the kill a mockingbird where Atticus has to put down the mad dog and demonstrate his uh, ability with a rifle. Right. The uh, this is the case uh, when when uh, what what I don't understand. And during the testimony, I'd actually heard this before uh, about the two women uh, that they were told don't stay at your house by right. the FBI. My question is, why aren't you protecting them, FBI? Right. I mean, is it because they're black? Is it because they don't have money? Why? I mean, these people are being harassed by Donald Trump and his followers. They're being threatened. Why aren't you protecting them? Where are the local police? Where are the marshals? Where's the fucking highway patrol, for God's sake? The goddamn Coast Guard. I want these people protected. And that this is the same thing with, like, threats at the, uh, at the school boards and so forth. The minute the threat is made, 
the cop with the bludgeon ought to be there beating them down. I'm sorry. I don't put up with this shit. Somebody threatens me. I'm going for them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, is it, you know, someone walks up to you and says, threatens you and says, I'm going to kick your ass. That in itself is an assault. And that, and, and, right. and that has the potential for repercussions to these people, why people get away with it. And especially in the case with uh, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, these people, are just normal citizens, middle-class citizens trying to donate their time to help out the cause and help out the elections. And then all of a sudden they are attacked by the most powerful man in the world. They're attacked by his lawyer. They're attacked by their own government and they're doing everything they can to uh, coerce them or destroy them. And you're right. Once that is found out and once we see what is happening why in the world can't you take two FBI agents and put them on their, their, their porch and with them at all times? That's the fucking very least you can do. I mean, we're, we're adding tons and tons of money to protect our Supreme Court justices because of one incident that didn't even, didn't even really happen. They caught them before the incident happened. But they're all over the place trying to protect each and every Supreme Court justice. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing, but why should it be any different for two ordinary citizens that are now being attacked by our fucking government. Especially when they did nothing wrong. Right. They didn't do anything wrong. And it's demonstrable that they're 100% innocent. And you know, as well as I do, Mike, you, you've been in media, you have some expertise on, on this kind of thing. If I send you an email and they, and uh, threaten you, even if I don't sign it, they can trace that email direct oh, yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't care how it's delivered. They can find it and come straight for me. They should be doing that yeah. because I'll tell you this. It's easy to be brave on, on Facebook. It's easy to be brave on instant messenger or, or Twitter or something. But when the cops knocking on your door, you'll see them sweat. You'll see them shut up. You'll see them you'll see them backtrack. Oh, I didn't mean anything by it. They'll, they'll be crying in their beer because they, they're cowards. Basically a coward. Yes, exactly. They're they're cowards. I have the toughest time with this. Uh, Like on TikTok, I'll get the trolls come in and some make some stupid comment. Now I know if I had this guy sitting in front of me, I'm not talking about violence. If I had him sitting in front of me and I could talk to him, I'm not incredibly tough or powerful, but, I can talk and I know I could eviscerate this stupid motherfucker, not because I'm so good at it, but because he's so fucking bad at it. But there comes a point where it's just not worth the time or worth the risk of the snaky fucks coming up from behind you and doing something to you, whether it be on, on online or in person. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to hold back from not jumping down their throat and tearing them apart. At least it is for me. Uh, but sometimes you, you've got, you got to just say, fuck it. It's not, it's not worth it. The, I might get hurt worse than if I just walk away. Now, now all I can do is when I, when somebody says something like that to me, the best way I can hurt them, I think, or make my point is look at them and start laughing and just walk away. Cause yeah, that's a good, that's a good, good, good strategy. Well, because they can't, they can't engage you now and you've made them look stupid without saying a single word. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, we're, we're about at that point to take a break. So let's do that. Let's take a break for a minute or so. And we will be right back. 
On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we are back. And Ed, I wanted to see what you thought about this. You know, for for essentially six years, we've been watching the Donald Trump administration do whatever the fuck they want, be corrupt, be criminal, and seemingly not accountable for anything they've done. And people have taken a tone that going, yeah, they'll just do whatever they want. Nothing's going to happen to them. And to a certain degree, they've been right. But I want to see if you've noticed this. I mean, there was a certain tone to the country, just the way things felt during all that time. But since the January 6th hearings have started, the first four, the the fifth coming up tomorrow, uh, I, am, am I just making this up in my head because I wanted to? But I feel kind of a different tone in the country. That whole gaslighting thing isn't working. I'm seeing these people that are getting exposed instead of just doubling down, getting scared. You talked about Ron Johnson, who was going to hand this this package he got from somebody to the vice president, which essentially was a list of fake electors. Now, yes. what was what was funny about that particular situation, in normal circumstances, Ron Johnson would just double down, talk some shit and gaslight. But I don't know if you saw the video of him outside <laughs> the Capitol when the media was talking to him. And they were asking him all these questions and he was acting like he was on the phone. And one yes. media guy says, dude, we can see your phone. Your phone's not even on. <laughs> and then after a while, he puts the phone down and he starts ask, answering questions and he's stammering and stuttering like you see in those scam comedy sketches that are that are replicating the, the 60 minutes things. And and then he tells us, he says, look, this is what I know. Somebody we don't know wanted us to give a package that we don't know what it's about to hand it to the vice president. So that's what we were trying to do. And of course, the vice president's people turned it down. So let me see if I get this right. Anybody off the street can go to a U.S. senator and say, hey, give this to the vice president. You don't ask what's in it. You just want to hand it off to him. That that makes no fucking sense. So my point is, these people, instead of double down, 
be, uh, double downing everything or, or, or uh, just talking louder. They seem to be getting scared now. They seem to be getting frantic. You're seeing it with Donald Trump. I just sense a different tone in the country. There's a turning point. It had to come at some point, and I feel like it's right now. I agree, and I think part of it is they know they're guilty, and that was the thing we got from the very first hearing was that we realized that all of these people were in on it. They Absolutely. weren't surprised. They knew exactly what was going down. And uh, so now that they've been exposed, I think they're starting to realize they're vulnerable. With Johnson also, I would never want to be a lowly staffer for a Republican congressman or senator, because sooner or later, they're going to turn on you and try to pack it all on you. Oh, it was staff to staff. It, w- it was one of our our staff people talking to the vice president's staff people and to this unknown person. I, I really don't know anything about it, he says. Well, well how, well, how is it staff to staff if Ron was the guy that was supposed to hand it off? That doesn't <laughs> well, make any a, fucking sense. You know, you know they, they ask me to hand stuff all the time. Usually it's just weed. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit. But yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I see people now kind of turning tail and getting nervous you know marjorie taylor green lauren bobert's getting buried in her own little scandals donald trump is writing 12 page rants that make no sense which is typical for donald trump then he comes out with this thing i want equal fucking time which is not a thing anymore which which is not a thing anymore since the republicans uh canceled uh, the fairness doctrine so that's fine. You, you, you're not, nobody owes you equal time. What you can do is go to the January 6th committee and, uh, and, and testify and tell them everything you want. The only problem there is you're under oath and you don't do well with that. No. Uh, and this is the thing, you know, I, uh, one thing I would like to bring up just real quick, Matthew uh, uh, Cawthorn. Yeah. You know, here was a, here was a guy who dominated Twitter and Facebook and it, all the other social media constantly uh, for a couple of years, he can't get arrested now. His no. own people won't retweet his tweets. He might as well be, uh, he might as well be dead he as far as they're concerned. He has been what they so much hate. Matthew Cawthorn has been canceled. And I think Lauren Boebert's the next one. This, this revelation that she's a hooker and, uh, and, and she, she uh, did drugs and did all this other shit. This is a Republican thing. This isn't the Democrats going after her. Now, and so far, I haven't seen anybody coming down on Cruz on this, but he's implicated. He gave her the money to run, um, like to the tune of something like $226,000 or $126,000. I don't have the exact figure in front of me. But that's, uh, and and supposedly, she met Cruz through, through one of the Koch brothers or, or, or one of their Offspring. Yeah. Now, 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 see, let me see what you think. I've got a theory about this whole thing. Uh, now, a lot of people think Ted Cruz gave her $126,000 because he had sex with her and maybe he got her pregnant. And, 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 and this was to appease her and maybe help her also to get in, into Congress. And, and, and my theory is this. Ted Cruz isn't going to be able to get it up unless Donald Trump is standing there in a thong with his finger in his mouth. That's the only way Ted Cruz is going to get a, get up. Uh, so what, here's what I'm, what a scenario I, I've suggested and see what you think. 
Now, the Koch brothers are involved in this thing with Lauren Boebert. It's not the Koch brothers, because one is dead, I think, and the other one is a billion years old. But it's maybe yeah. one of the offspring or a grandchild or whatever. Right. I, I think one of the Koch spawn got involved with Lauren Boebert, got her pregnant, got her an abortion. And they knew that Lauren Boebert was a dumb bitch and she was going to be yakking and doing whatever. So they knew they had to shut her up. So they needed somebody to handle that for them. The Koch brothers got too much money to be dropping to that level. So they go to their biggest kiss ass, Ted Cruz, and say, Ted, get her this money. So she shuts her fucking mouth and then help her to get a job in Congress to keep her fucking busy. And Ted Cruz just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Turn around so I can kiss you goodbye. And and that's how it happened. That's what I'm thinking. And I don't know which of the two is is right. But I do know um, uh, uh, Ted Cruz is implicated in this whole fucking thing. And that needs to be explored and investigated. Well, I, I don't know, but I do know this. Anytime they have a Republican convention or the Freedom and Faith Foundation meets in Nashville or what it may be, all the sex workers go, everybody works. Yep, yep, yep. That's absolutely true. I mean, you know, when Madison Cawthorn uh, suggested that the Republicans were involved in orgies and, and cocaine, they got mad at him and they canceled him. <laughs> they didn't say he was lying, but nope. they did cancel him. And I and I, I will guarantee you that when you've got Democrats and or Republicans with that much money and that much power, there is a lot of illicit shit going on that they don't want the public to know. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as they say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we see this time after time after time, especially with Republicans that uh, not only with Republicans, but with men in power and sometimes women in power, um, you just want more of whatever it may be, whether it's power, drugs, money, sex, you just want more. And, and it's like any other addiction, it becomes insatiable. You know, it's funny, since I turned, gone into my 60s, you know, I was a young man, I wanted to be rich and famous, and I wanted more and more and more. And uh, now that I'm 62, I realize I can't fucking handle what I got. I don't need yeah. more. That's just work for me now. Well, that's exactly it. And, and I'm 10 years older than you, not necessarily 10 years wiser, but I'm 10 years older. And uh, I realize that more and more that uh, too many possessions, uh, even too much money is just uh, a, a headache. You know, I'm I'm in a good place, and that's that's where I want to stay. If I want to sit on my porch all day, that's what I do. If I want to have a project in the yard, that's what I do. If we want to go to Paris, that's what we do. Right. But, uh, when there's not a pandemic on, but um, this this is the thing. We're we're comfortable. We're not rich, but uh, we're in a good place. And and uh, I think if you can if you can get there then uh, that's great. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, everything settles down a little bit so I can enjoy it again. And I, I don't have to be constantly uh, um, trying to um, do what we're doing here, which hopefully is, is enlightening a few people. Well, well, here's what here's what we can do when everything settles down about politics and we don't have to talk about politics every day. Then maybe you and I uh, can do a show about gardening and cooking. I'm sure that will be a big, a big draw. 
hey, you never know. I, 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 I do think you can make anything interesting if you, if you can. But uh, just at what we're talking about here, this this propensity for uh, Republicans uh, in particular, but politicians in general, maybe to be just a little bit on the sleazy side, makes me wonder why uh, so many Republicans. Uh, who are who are supposed to be the solid citizens? They're supposed to be the flag, mom, apple pie, little league baseball. They're supposed to be uh, a family values group, right? And yet they embrace Jim Jordan. They embrace Ron Johnson. They embrace Donald Trump. They embrace Rudy Giuliani and 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 Herschel Walker, for God's sake, this guy who's been spending the last few years screaming about how absentee dads. It turns out he's got three other kids he doesn't even acknowledge. Uh, so uh, all of these guys wind up. There used uh, there used to be a phrase about idols turning up with clay feet. Well, these guys are all clay, and yet here you have the, supposedly the uh, the straight laced evangelicals who cream their jeans for Donald Trump, and mm. it boggles my mind as to why that is. Well. You know, one of the things I've always thought is, and, and when I've seen this in other situations on a smaller scale in neighborhoods and such, you've always got that loud talking guy. He might be a buffoon, but people will will follow him, you know, not so much like a pol- political thing, but they will follow him because, you know, they see themselves as weak. They see themselves as marginalized. They're too afraid to step up and be bold themselves. And, uh, and the, and they follow this guy because they think that's their superhero, that's their champion to help their cause. All you have to do is say, I'm for everything you are, and I'll scream my head off about it, and they'll follow you. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I've always said, with, whether it becomes be, because of religion or or if it was politics or anything, I don't fucking join clubs. I don't commit to joining any club because I think clubs are tainted. They're run uh, organized and, and, and ruled by human beings. And let's be honest, human beings are at the core fucking flawed. And there are some human beings that are even more flawed. And if the ones that rise to the top are the most flawed, then those organizations aren't worth the shit. And that's why we see troubles with, with, with the Democrats, the Republicans, uh, the evangelicals or, or the Catholic church for that matter, or any other church. Uh, they aren't about God. They're about humans and the fucking rules they make in order to maintain power. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Kevin Smith is a black Southern Baptist minister. And he addressed the uh, Southern Baptist Convention, their meeting. They've been having a big deal about uh, that they've been hiding the fact that they have all these predators in their midst and have have uh, had for many years. And victims have been blamed and people have been moved around. They've essentially done the same thing that the Catholic Church has done, which is to not deny abuse within the ranks of their clergy, cover it up, move people around and so forth. And he, he addressed them and he called them whores for Trump. Right. The, the evangelicals that have turned to Trump. Well, that didn't go over very well, I imagine. But, uh, but he told the truth. You know, the, um, I think he was also uh, pointing out that, uh, especially with the Southern Baptist Church, there's a strain of uh, racism that runs through the organization and always has. I mean, that's where it came from. 
right before the Civil War, the the, the Northern Baptists said, you know, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to let you guys be missionaries anymore because you're going to Africa preaching to people that you're that you've enslaved. So no, right. you're not going to do it anymore. So they withdrew and formed the Southern Baptist Church which still exists. And the fact that it still exists is a slap in the face to every other uh, church in the country because they're saying with that Southern thing, we still believe that white people and black people are are different and white people are better. That's what they're saying. I'm sorry. That's why Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Carter left the church. Right. Because of the stance on, on, about black people and the stance about women, too, who they see as second class citizens and that they should submit themselves to men. Both of those things. Um, so why do they love, love a guy like Donald Trump who grabs women, who, who laughs about it, who is uh, the epitome of everything vile and wrong? Uh, that has ever been in America. He's the poster boy for it. My theory is because they see that as strength and that they see that he endorses the idea of the alpha male, the the, the tough guy, the chieftain who will uh, lead you against the enemy and make you safe and and will make your ideas safe and will elevate you above the riffraff, so to speak. I mean, uh, it's all to do with mythology. I mean, when I was growing up, the mythology was the Wild West, the cowboy. That was the the top. John Wayne, you know, who was really a bully and a coward. And a racist fuck. Right. Jimmy Stewart and uh, a, a bunch of other Hollywood guys, they all enlisted. They fought bravely. Um, and, uh, but not, not, not John Wayne and not Ronald Reagan. They stayed no. home and made movies about it. The only beach they ever hit was Malibu. Right. No shit. No shit. Well, you know, when you talk about the evangelicals, I see them as kind of a one, uh, one thing that they're focused on and that is abortion. And they thought Donald Trump would be their one chance to overturn Roe v. Wade. And they were willing to give up anything uh accept anything to get that one thing that was the most important thing uh but when i look at the evangelicals or any other church or political parties or any other kind of organizations i look at those people that are the members not not the leaders the members of those organizations i look at them or the leaders look at them as fucking marks you think yep. about you think about the religions, you think about the politicians and the parties, you think about any kind of organization that brings people in. If you're a member, they're looking at you as a mark. And the reason I can say that, what is the first and foremost thing they want from you? They want money. They want donations. They want dues. They want offerings. And if you don't give them or give enough of them, you get ridiculed about them. That's why I don't like organizations because they're run by people that aren't that <laughs> that are in it for themselves. Don't tell me you're here for me to get closer to God. I can call God on my own. I got a direct line. I don't need to go through a church who's going to tell me the things I should and shouldn't do and try to take my money for, you know, it's one thing if you take the money to do good things. I have to say, I haven't seen any that I've been involved in, but there are 
probably good church and good clergy out there. I'm not saying they're all like that, but there's enough of them to make me wary of any church that I walk by. And same with the political parties. As much as I side with the Democrats now because the Republicans are out of fucking control, there have been many years I've looked at some of the shit the Democrats have done, and it's been horrifying as well. Not to the extent of the Republicans, but they, under normal circumstances, they aren't much better than the Republicans. We have an issue where we are looking for leaders that are strong to take us on uh, to victory but unfortunately, these people who are loud enough and blatant enough and egregious enough happen to be the people that are most flawed. Absolutely. And think about it for a moment. As a recovered evangelical, I feel like I have a certain uh, gravitas to address this kind of thing. Jesus never mentioned tithing. Jesus no. never said, give me your money. He never once asked for a penny. What he said was, give money to the poor. Take care of the widows and orphans. Take care of each other. But uh, there was no, as you say, no middle ground, no middle man. He didn't say, give it to me and my disciples and we'll handle it, hand it out. No, he said, you do it. You get your hands dirty. You be involved. Not, uh, not, you don't need this, this secondary thing. Everything that has to do with, with the church came after. Right. And, and, um, I think that's why the Trump has been able to be so effective as a fundraiser to these people because they're used to it. You know, they listen to somebody on TV, whether it's a Pat Robertson or, a, or, or any of these other televangelists, always a Jim and Tammy always want money, money, money. Yeah. We need your money. God needs your money. God doesn't need your money. <laughs> God doesn't need any, not a penny that you have. Uh, God, God doesn't need you. He's God. He doesn't yeah. need you. No, you, you need to do exactly what Jesus told you to do. Take care of other people, you know, and, and be nice to each other. That's it. That's it. You know, faith is great. Faith without works is dead. And if you have faith and you don't do works, then you don't have faith. It's that simple. You know, I, I, I can't get any more simple than that. And people who don't realize that just haven't thought about it. Now, I'm not a theologian. I haven't read the Bible from cover to cover. I don't know it by memory or by rote. But I know there is a story uh, with Jesus when he was a man. What happened the last time he was in an organized church? He trashed that motherfucker like Pot Motley Crew trashes a hotel room. And he did it yep. because of money changers and all the, the sin that was going on in that. And I have a feeling if Jesus were on earth now, he could go around the country state by state trashing churches all the time. People are fucking flawed. And when you give them power and money, that is uh, that is the, the downfall of a lot of men. You talk about middlemen. I know what being a middle guy is. You know, in my business, I had people selling things and people wanting to buy things, and I'd be the middleman to try to uh, to to organize that deal because these two clowns couldn't deal with one another. I got a small cut when the deal was done, and that was it. That was a legitimate middleman. But when you're talking about religion or talking about being informed as to who you're going to vote for and what your politician is about, you don't need a middleman. You should have enough intellect and enough motivation and enough uh, uh, tenacity to figure it out yourself. You want to talk to God? 
I talk to God every night when I pray. And you know what? I don't need a fucking middleman. Now, if you think you need a middleman and that makes you feel better, that's cool. I'm not going to fault you or argue with you about it. But when people say, yeah, you got to give to the poor, you don't have to give it to the church to give it to the poor because the church will take it or the politicians will take it because they ask for money to make things better too. They take the money, they take their cut, which is about 90%. They might sprinkle a little bit of crumbs where they said it was going to go. It's, it's, it's all a big grift. It really is. If, we're, if, if humans are involved and they're taking your money and, getting, and giving you nothing in return, it is a fucking grift. Exactly. And, and uh, where is the cognitive leap from, I'm a billionaire. I'm a really, really rich guy. Now, would you send me some money? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and all it really takes is somebody who can talk, somebody who can have some charisma, somebody who can say the right thing. Somebody knows how to stir up a crowd. I'm convinced I would never do it. I'm convinced, Ed, if you and I said we are going to start a new religious program called Mike and Eddie or Eddie and Mike, and we are going to espouse all the great things that can come to people if they just pray and if they just listen to us, I guarantee you we could get a shitload of money because we do know how to talk and we do know how to kind of instill some excitement in people. We could do that, but we wouldn't do that because it's fucking wrong. Exactly. And, uh, and, and, and even on the, a very low level, uh, right where I am, uh, I may have mentioned this before, but I, I took stock one time. My local newspaper used to have a church directory. Uh, they may still, for all I know, I stopped reading it because it's a right-wing rag now. But uh, they had the back page would have every church in the county listed. And I counted one time. And there was like three Methodists, a couple of Presbyterians, and, and some of the some of the uh, uh, Seventh Day Adventists, that kind of thing. You know, right. the, the, but eighty-seven Baptist churches <laughs> now uh, in a county that that has about twenty thousand people. But right. uh, uh, most of these had maybe fifteen, twenty members on a good day, right? Right. right. But every one of them had a guy who had the call. And, uh, and got a got a paycheck. Who passed that plate? And where did the money go? Uh, didn't go into the building because that was a shack. Right. Didn't go to the poor. Didn't go to missions. It went in the pocket of the guy with wearing the white shirt. Yeah. And 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 then he'd hit him up again so he could get his radio program going. Uh, my local radio station. They may still, for all I know, I don't listen to it. But uh, they used to have back-to-back preachers, 15 and 30 minutes, uh, the 15-minute program and then the 30-minute program, whatever they could afford, right. all day Sunday. Right. And you, could, you couldn't understand most of them because they were doing, you know, I mean, it was just it, it, insane. But uh, uh, they would still manage to get enough money to put this 15 minutes or 30 minutes on every week and get a little bit out of it, you well, know. Those of us that worked in radio in small towns at any time in our lives have spent Sundays running back-to-back preachers doing whatever, and we never gave it a second thought. And I wondered, why were these running on the radio station? Well, these small-town radio stations want to make a buck, too, and these these religious organizations were happy to pay them to do it. It wasn't prime time, so it wasn't real expensive, but it was income to the radio station. 
Exactly. Same thing with ball games. They could give a shit about the local hockey team, but uh, they could uh, sell 15, 20 ads uh, for it. So there you go. That's Absol- what you do. Absolutely. So, you know, I think the real problem in this country is, and I, I've said this before, and I, I don't need, mean to put anybody off on it. I think we can all be guilty of this. I think this country, because of the way information comes, uh, that this country is largely pretty lazy when it comes to the news and information about politics or what have you. I mean, we're we're now at a point with with cable and the internet and all this stuff. We just sit back. Uh, we like the short takes because that's what all our attention span can handle, the clickbait, if you will. And we just take take in whatever comes to us, whatever hits us in the face, and that's how we form our opinions. Unfortunately, the sources where this information come from are suspect, but we don't know that, so we assume it's true and everything we hear is true. I mean, I told a story. I was in Georgia, all right? Yeah. And I'll just tell the story again quickly because I thought it was a good story. We walk, we're down by the river, uh, river walk in Savannah. We walk into this gift shop. My wife's shopping for stuff for our grandkids. And I see this lady about my age sitting behind the counter. She's biracial and she looks kind of tired. And I go up to her and I say, uh, how's business going? And she says, well, it seems pretty slow. There's not as many people on the street. But, of course, they tell us there's no recession. The government tells us there's no recession. And I said, yeah, I I don't know if it's recession yet, but there's something going on, certainly. And she says, and the gas prices, they're so out of control. If they wouldn't have just if they wouldn't have shut down that pipeline, the gas prices wouldn't be so high. Now, I wasn't going to get an argument with this woman. She seemed like a nice lady. So I said to her, I said, man, what what pipeline are you talking about? And she said, well, you know, the one that goes from Canada. I said, you're talking about the Keystone Pipeline. And she says, yeah. Now, I didn't get in her face. I just was trying to educate her. I said, ma'am, here's what you need to understand. The Keystone Pipeline, there is one currently in the works, comes from Canada to Nebraska. That gives oil in this in this country. Now, what was shut down was a non-completed, not even 10% completed extra pipeline that would run from Canada directly to Mexico. It wouldn't transport oil. It would transport something called tar sand was a far lesser grade than oil. So by closing something down that wasn't even operating, that wouldn't even affect America, that wasn't even sending real refined oil, that would not affect the price of gas. Now, when I said that to her, I was ready for this Republican, this Trumplican to get mad and said, that's a lie. That's a lie. And she looks at me and she goes, huh, see, there you go. They're fucking lying to us again. Democrats and Republicans, they're not telling us the truth. This woman clearly did not know the truth because of wherever she was getting her her information from. But when told calmly and said, no, here's the deal. I'm not trying to be threatening with her. I'm just saying, no, that's not really the way it is. That's not the way it is. And this is the way it is. Instead of disputing that, she said, see, they're lying to us. And, and, and she, she said, if that's, if what I said isn't true, I'm sorry about that, but I had no idea what you just told me, but I will look into it. And, and then, and then she said, she said to me, uh, uh, you know, I watch a lot. I get a lot of stuff off of TikTok. 
and I'm on TikTok, and 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 there's a lot of good shit, and there's a lot of horrible shit out there. And I yeah. go, I go, you're on TikTok, huh? She goes, yeah. I go, so am I. So am I. And uh, and I said, you should check out my TikTok. It's under Rational Boomer. I think you might learn some stuff, and I think you'll feel better about what's going on. She goes, you're on TikTok. I said, yeah, I'm on TikTok. I said, Rational Boomer, check it out. She goes, you know, you're a pretty good talker. You probably got a couple thousand followers. I go, yeah, I do all right, but just watch it. And I hope, hopefully she did because this woman is open to learning things and is reasonable and intelligence. It's just a matter of what information she gets. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in this country are getting shit information. Well, yeah, and, and, and um, it's an echo chamber. I mean, I have a relative, and I'm not going to say which side of the family it's on or anything else, who, who made the observation that we would soon be in the minority. Now, um, I normally don't correct relatives, but I said, you know, that's just not true. I mean, you live in a county where there's less than a thousand black people. There are uh, hardly any Hispanics or anyone of any other national origin except Anglo-Saxon, pretty much, you know, Scotch-Irish, that sort of thing. So, no, you're not going to be in the minority. Not in your lifetime. Yeah. And uh, and that's pretty much the same everywhere else. As far as, well, Christians will be, well, no, I can't throw a rock and not hit a church in this right. town. And it's, that's literally true. Uh, and, uh, I said, that's not gonna, that's not gonna change either. There are no Muslims here. There are, there are no, uh, there's just, there's like 12 Catholics and 14, uh, Lutherans, something like you, they, they have the same church because it's a Catholic church, but they got the Lutherans use it on Sunday afternoon because literally there's like 12 of them. But, um, no, we're not going to become a minority anytime soon, right. as you say, not in our lifetimes, whatever. It's just that we've disenfranchised everybody else and they want a piece of the pie. It's right. that simple. And they deserve a piece of the pie. But uh, are you afraid that you'll be treated like a minority? Uh, and that's bad because that's the way we've treated minorities. OK, I can understand that. The way around that's to stop treating minorities bad, isn't it? Well, exactly. You know, and then there is some some truth to uh, white people becoming the minority. I, I read I read some facts and it said like 30 years ago, it was 75 percent white in this country. Mm-hmm. And now recent studies say it's more like 57, 58 percent. So it is starting to even out. And theoretically, we could be a minority. And I was talking to a gentleman and he said, He said, aren't you afraid if we become a minority? And I kind of took off on the same thing you did. I said, well, no, I'm not worried at all. He goes, why not? I said, because I've never treated minorities badly. I don't look at them as different. I look at them as equals. I said, now that maybe if you treated them like shit and you've been bad to them, well, then maybe you should be worried. Maybe you should be concerned about it, but I'm okay with it. If there are 75% people of color in this country and 25% white, I have no problem. I, I, I stand behind how I've behaved and how I've treated people, and I don't see my life changing if by some crazy happenstance that that happened. But there are people worried about that. And that goes back to what I've said before. Everything about Republicans, everything about uh, evangelicals and a lot of other religion is based on fear. That's how they get your money. You should be scared and only we can protect you. 
Exactly. And, and that goes back to the whole John Wayne thing. The, the alpha male, the tough guy, he'll protect us from these encroaching hordes of infidels and pagans and so forth. When really we'll become a white people will become minorities, not because people are coming in from the outside, although that happens, certainly. It's because the melting pot is becoming true. Remember when we were kids, or at least when I was a kid, that was it. America was a melting pot. People come in from everywhere and we become one. And it was the warm fuzzies back then. People weren't scared about it. Or they didn't seem to be anyway. And, and then, then that, that became a bad concept, the whole idea. But that's what's happening. Black people and white people and, and Native Americans and people from India and people from Japan, they're intermarrying and they're creating a whole new group of people that doesn't have a particular race. Uh, they may look white, they may look Indian, they may look whatever, but they're not, they're not this pure Aryan uh, kind of uh, thing, and and I don't know, and this is purely anecdotal, and I might even get trouble for saying it. But if you want to see beautiful people, look at a couple of mixed race kids. <laughs> you know that you that's, know that's the funny. I have to own up to some deep set prejudice that was was ingrained in my body. Um, when I walk down the street today and I see a mixed couple, white man, black woman, immediately I go, "Wow," because because that wasn't something you've seen in the past, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. But when I see them, and then I see their kids, these gorgeous little kids, and they're nice people, uh, I, I feel bad every time I feel that way. But that's that's how it's been ingrained in me. I don't think any less of them. I like them, love them just as much as anybody. But when I look at their kids, uh, it's not about what two people or their colors are. It's about what they create. And when you see these beautiful, sweet little kids, you got to have some hope for the future. It really doesn't matter uh, the mixing of races or anything like that. Any, anybody I've met, and I know plenty of people of mixed race. <laughs> it's a matter of the content of the character and, and color is inconsequential on any level on any race, uh, except maybe those fucking Trumplefox. Those, those white motherfuckers should go to hell. Yeah. And, and the other thing is I've got to throw this in too. I, I have, uh, uh, a gay couple, uh, a black man and white man, okay. and they uh, they're married. They uh, they adopted a couple of kids, both black, raised them. So they had a white father and a black father. Uh, they were special needs and they've done great. Terrific. Because instead of languishing in uh, in, in foster care or uh, or uh, an orphanage somewhere or something, uh, they had a loving family. Uh, same thing, a, a lesbian couple. Uh, who uh, uh, both white who uh, adopted black children and because you know maybe they would have adopted white kids if they could have gotten them I don't know but I, I do know it's a lot harder to get white babies but you can get all the, the black and mixed race kids you want you know <laughs> I don't know why that what's up with that but it's true well, anyway again they've raised these kids and and they're like graduating from college now you know, and doing terrific. I, why would anybody object to that? Well, yeah, you know, my granddaughter, for example, she's white like me, but she's way cuter than me, way smarter than me, and way funnier than me. But in spite of our difference, I love that little kid more than anything in the world. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, know, I mean, 
there's no reason to worry if you treat people dis- decently. They're not going to come after you once they uh, uh, once they. I, I, I just I I don't think that anybody's out to get us because we're white as long as we're decent people. You know, you know, it's funny. I I don't know if I've become enlightened lately or because of it's my age and I'm softening up, but. I think all people do. When you're walking around someplace, especially someplace you've never seen, um, you look at somebody and you judge them. Oh, look at that crazy motherfucker. Or look at this uh, outrageous person or whatever. As of late, when I see people, <laughs> I, I I don't necessarily judge them. I kind of read read into them. I don't know nothing about them. I haven't talked to, the, talked to them. I don't know if they're bad people. I don't know if they're good people. But you, I look at them and I think, you know, uh, if you're supposed to love everybody, I'm looking at this person. Why would I love that person? And then I see their faces and I realize they probably have gone through the same trauma, the same tragedy I went through. So there's got to be some empathy for that. If you go into a situation, assuming you're going to care about and like somebody that sets a totally different tone than walking up and saying, Hey, asshole, what's your fucking problem? It's about your own attitude and how you approach things. And, uh, I've just been, as I, as I grow older, gain intellect and lose testosterone, I seem to be a little more peaceful when I talk to people. Yeah, I think that's uh, the same with me. I'm not nearly as hot headed as I used to be. And that, you know, you've known me for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was never super hot head. No, you were an asshole. Uh, well, <laughs> no, we all, we all were. We were in radio. That's what radio calls for. Yeah. And we, we, uh, but somehow or other, we made it work. Uh, a lot of different personalities put together, made, made something work there for a while. Yeah. Absolutely. But, and I think we can do that with a country too. It's just the idea of this. I, I think people are used to having privilege and they're very loath to give it up. Uh, they think that by, uh, by being, they'll be diminished somehow. If the, the lily white Jesus isn't the one that everybody bows to anymore, which of course he never was. Right. Right. And, and all of those pictures need to be put away. Because Jesus was not white. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I was thinking about that, you know, all those years that we worked together and how it seemed to go along very well. I think a large part of that might be because we were never in the same room. We were yeah. never in the same building. We were never right. even in the same city. I was from the transportation offices. You were in the studio and we talked like we're talking now, we're not in the same room. I, I have to wonder if we were sitting next to each other every day, if it wouldn't have been more contentious ultimately. I mean, it I would have tried. Have I would have tried to be more contentious. <laughs> it it might have been. I don't know, but uh, maybe we were lucky that, that we weren't. I, I I have to say though that that I spent. 27 years as the morning guy or part of the morning show, part of it and the sole morning show, except for you, the rest of it. And uh, we were making our living playing a kind of music that was dependent on primarily on black people. We were a jazz station. Yeah. And uh, we were, yeah, we were a couple of white guys (laughs) who were, uh, who, and you know, we did have black employees too um, on the air. But uh, we were making our living off an art form that was primarily pioneered and sustained by black people. Well, imagine that we were 
we were the we were white guys, the solar the polar opposite of cool, yeah. playing the coolest music on earth by people of color. That right that took and some the, doing. Yeah, well, the other thing that we had in common that a short, a scant five years before, you were over. Uh, let's see, where were you? Um, uh, you the where you were playing polkas. Playing what? Polkas. Oh, polkas. Yeah, years before I worked at a little radio station south of the metro, and we played country music, but we also played a lot of polkas, which was a well, crazy I was fucking in, thing. I was in, I was in Faribault, and you were in New Ulm, right? Uh, New Prague. New Prague, right. So we were both playing polka music five years before, and then we're running the jazz station in Twin Cities five years later. So Yeah, uh, yeah no uh, shit. <laughs> that tells you a lot about radio. That's that's why I always, when people say, what, what are radio people like? I say, well, they're pretty much carnies with a good voice. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we'd be doing the tilt the world if we couldn't talk. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, we got to go here, but I'm going to tell one story. Remember, you know Como Park Zoo in Minnesota, right? I do. Spent many happy hours there. Right. Great place. I, I take my kid there, and my oldest son was always way bigger for his age. <laughs> I mean, he was always taller. He was a heavier kid. And we go up to one of the kiddie rides, and there's this guy that weighs maybe – 72 pounds he's about 80 years old he's wearing jeans his clothes haven't been washed for 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 years and he's smoking a cigarette and he's got one eye squinted and i walk up with my kid to this ride and he looks at me and he goes your kid's too goddamn big i said what (laughs) he's seven he goes he's too goddamn big (laughs) and i looked at him i said look gabby we're (laughs) gonna put this kid on this ride whether you like it or not so you can call the police. You can try to fight me. You know, I'm 27 at the time or whatever I am. Uh, and so I said, he's going on this fucking ride. <laughs> and he goes, you're too goddamn big. It's unsafe. I go, look, motherfucker, smoking that cigarette isn't too safe either. He's going on the ride. So my kid got on the ride. But when I think about Carney's, I think about this guy because he was just a hundred years old, unkempt, probably on the verge of death from any number of terminal diseases. And he's got this cranky attitude. And, 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 and when I looked at him, I thought, you know, I've known radio guys like this <laughs> and it's the truth. I've worked with fucking idiots like that. Oh yeah. I, I could, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, when I was in, in, in Faribault, there was a, a gentleman who came and went, he would, uh, he would come there and do the late night show. And then when he got bored, he'd go back to Texas and uh, he, he'd go back and forth between these two stations all the time. He was like um, almost 70 years old. And he, uh, he talked to himself constantly because he'd been on the air forever. And he was always, he was just always on. Uh, and he finally disappeared because they found out that he'd been uh, shoplifting all these years that he would, he would, go to Kmart, for instance, and go in through the automotive area, grab a shirt and head up to the return. I'd like to return this. Right. <laughs> he did the, his major income rather than radio was in shoplifting and returning wow. shit. And they, they finally caught the guy and banned him from the town. So he had to leave. You know, but, you know, uh, you know what the crazy thing is you take radio and shoplifting and shoplifting probably pays better and is more respectable than working in radio. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if you've kept track, but it's worse now. 
Oh, I know. Uh, making a living in radio, you may work two hours a day in voice track, you know, uh, two or three stations uh, all at once for minimum wage. You know, you have to be in, in it for uh, I don't know what, uh, but uh, there ain't no money in it anymore. Now, if you want to be in radio just for the art of it, start a podcast. Yeah, if you want to make money, get into sales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. My wife will always come up to me and she'll catch me talking to myself. And it's not because I'm crazy. It's because I've been in radio. If I'm working on an idea for a TikTok or a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how you formulate it in your head, you're kind of putting it together and readjusting and editing and, and changing it around. And for people like you and me, it's easier to say it and hear it for yourself as you're trying to formulate it. Now, people, exactly. uh, normal people are used to thinking, what are you talking about? Well, I got an idea. I'm just working on an idea. And they still think you're fucking crazy. But that's, you know, that's just the nature of what we do and how we do it. It's not that if you see a radio guy walking down the street or a podcasting guy walking down the street and he's talking to himself, don't think he's crazy. Think he's just formulating the next show. Exactly. I tell people that I know more than you do because I've been more places than you are. I have been, uh, you spent your life in the middle class, the upper middle class. I've worked uh, in telemarketing and you talk at Carney's, they're there, buddy. Yep, yep. I, and uh, I've, I've been in every strata from the lowest uh, to the highest. I, I've had dinner with Ansel Adams for God's sake, you know, and uh, uh, I, uh, I, I stood with my back to Yoko Ono while she changed clothes. Um, really? I, wow. I, we need to talk I, about that at some point. I've been, to, I've been to the highs. I've been to the dirty lows. And uh, so I know more because the, um, what's, what's the, um, the tagline for the, uh, uh, the insurance deal? We, we know a lot because we've seen a lot. Right, right, right. You know, well, I've been there. I've been in all of these places. I've been uh, an evangelical. I've been an atheist. I've been everything in between. And I've interacted with all these people. I understand most of them to a certain extent. And quite frankly, I got along with most of them. So uh, um, if I know anything, it's because I've been there, done that. Well, then that that says something. If If politics slows down and things settle down, between your experiences, I, I have a lot of experiences dealing with different things, much different than you have. Uh, we can talk about that shit for hours and hours and hours. So we've got Absolutely. that going for us. We've got a lot of fodder for a show if political uh, news dies down. We have one run way over, so we're going to uh, wrap up things for the Rational Boomer podcast. Thanks for joining me again today, Ed. You bet. All right. I hope you all have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.